0: Public-private partnerships are critical to disaster preparedness. What's going on at the state level in these public-private partnerships? You're listening to ReachMD, a channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, President and Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that drives cures to patients through repurposing generic drugs for new uses. And my guest is Dr. J. Patrick O'Neill, Director of Preparedness in the Georgia Division of Public Health. Dr. O'Neill and I are discussing public-private partnerships in public health. Dr. O'Neill, welcome to Reach MD.
1: Thank you, Dr. Bloom. It's a pleasure to be with you.
0: Tell us about the Department of Preparedness in the Georgia Division of Public Health. How big is it? How is it split up around the state? And what's your function?
1: I actually direct the Office of Preparedness uh, within the Division of Public Health in Georgia And at the state level, we are a fairly small office, but when you consider the fact that we extend from the state down into each of the 18 health districts in Georgia, as well as all the way down to the local level with personnel, even at the local county level that are involved in emergency preparedness activities, we become a fairly comprehensive part of public health. Preparedness has been identified as one of the Three main priorities of public health in Georgia. And as a major priority, we do put a lot of emphasis, even down to the local level, on all of the folks that work in public health participating to various degrees in emergency preparedness activities. So our reach is fairly extensive, even though at the state level we are a fairly small office.
0: And how are you split up around the state? Are there divisions of this office?
1: Not really divisions of the office, but the office essentially oversees two major federal grants that support a lot of the preparedness activities that are taking place in this state as well as others. One of those grants is the CDC grant. The other is the ASPR, Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response, is the acronym grant. That grant, the latter, essentially supports hospital community preparedness whereas the first grant, the CDC grant, supports public health preparedness. And obviously, the two work hand in hand. Public health is preparing at the same time that the hospital community is preparing for all major types of catastrophes or disasters that we might have to face. Initially, most of the emphasis was on preparedness for bioterrorism. But very soon into this effort, it was recognized that it was far wiser to be looking at an all-hazards approach and to essentially consider preparedness from that perspective rather than just the bio perspective. We have used the grant funding, the CDC grant, predominantly in public health, to create positions in each of the 18 health districts. We fund five different positions that are present in each of the, the 18 districts. And those positions essentially carry down to the regional and then also even down to the local level the planning function and the exercise function, the risk communication functions and the training functions of our office. There also is an extremely important aspect uh, that we fund with what's referred to as the liaison program. And that position reaches out to the provider community to be sure that the activities of public health are interfacing appropriately with the healthcare professionals that are where the rubber meets the road, so to speak.
0: Are you able to create these kinds of public private partnerships in rural Georgia the same way you're able to do it in metropolitan Atlanta?
1: We are to some degree. With the large businesses, for example, the major utility in our state, that particular organization reaches out to some of the smallest communities in Georgia with employees even in the the very smallest towns. So, yes, through this uh, activity with the business community, we can reach out to portions of rural Georgia, but there are certainly sections where large business does not have employees. And this particular model that we're working with right now on the partnerships has not been able to effectively uh, address that issue. And that's one of the things that we've been talking to local chamber of commerce is about to see if there are not aspects of partnerships that we can develop through the chambers of commerce that would essentially allow the public-private partnerships to develop without having the large business connection.
0: If you've just tuned in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, and with me is Dr. J. Patrick O'Neill, Director of Preparedness for the Georgia Division of Public Health. What kinds of resources are available to providers through these public-private partnerships?
1: A host of resources From our perspective, probably the most valuable resource is that of the human bodies that become volunteers. It has been very difficult for public health to maintain the number of volunteers necessary to assist in a mass dispensing campaign, for example. Training the volunteers and then maintaining the volunteers over a period of time when you may not actually have to utilize them in a real event has been quite difficult. The businesses basically have the ability to maintain the interaction with their employees, essentially so that the retention of the volunteers becomes part of what they're doing, taking that burden off of of public health. That's been, I think, the, the number one resource that we see for public health in this particular effort is the resource of volunteers. But there are also very many other resources that are essentially business-specific. But an example would be, in one of our exercises, one of the large businesses came up with some really excellent ideas about logistics related to dispensing of drugs that we had not even thought about in public health. Many businesses that are involved in distribution of products throughout large areas are true experts at logistics, and quite frankly, that's not an area of expertise that I think public health really shares, and being able to leverage that logistical expertise through businesses has probably been the second greatest resource that we've seen come out of this, but there will be numerous others as we expand into businesses that are just beginning to join with public health that I can't even predict
0: yet. Tell us what the Strategic National Stockpile is.
1: The Strategic National Stockpile is actually a series of stockpiles that are kept in secret locations around the country such that any state that had an emergency where the state essentially had exceeded its capacity to have adequate amounts of pharmaceutical supplies or medical supplies and equipment to handle the disaster, could request a stockpile be sent to that particular state, in our case brought into Georgia. The Strategic National Stockpile is able to be delivered to any one of the continental states within 12 hours or less. It's approximately seven and a half tractor-trailer loads of drugs and medical supplies and equipment that would be necessary to provide health care to a population during a disaster.
0: What are you doing with private physicians as far as public-private partnerships when you consider disaster preparation?
1: We're working with the private physicians in a lot of different ways, but probably the single most important thing that, that we want to do is, as public health practitioners, We want to be able to assure that private physicians are going to be able to continue to deliver care during a disaster, which means that we basically have an assurance responsibility to be sure that the private physicians can obtain the supplies, the equipment, the necessary resources that have to be there in order for them to continue to function during a disaster. Education is a key part of that, and the building of relationships is a key part of that. I had mentioned in a previous conversation with you, I think, that we had developed liaison personnel throughout all of our health districts that reach into the private physician community with information in an ongoing capacity and also with ongoing relationship building so that there is a trust that's there between the physician community and public health, that the two can work hand in hand during whatever the disaster may be. We had an opportunity to use this not just in exercises, but in the real world back at the time that Georgia responded to the many evacuees that came to us following the Katrina Rita hurricane situation. Part of those evacuees arrived through the first activation of the National Disaster Medical System, NDMS, where we received numerous flights of evacuees that were brought into an air guard base just north of Atlanta. It was the role of public health to try to be sure that the healthcare community was not overwhelmed by that tremendous increase or surge in those that needed health care on a fairly emergent basis for many of them. And part of what we did was to organize physicians' groups who would actually be at the resource centers, the large centers where the evacuees were being processed, so that simple things could be provided, such as, let's say, heart patients who were on digitalis preparations or other drugs on a regular basis, but had to leave without their medications. We organized physicians and nurses groups to be present at our resource centers so that prescriptions could be written for maintenance drugs and would thereby enable those patients not to have to go immediately into physicians' offices or to hospital emergency rooms and overwhelm the system. We also were able, through our poison control system, to set up a telephone network where physicians voluntarily registered with the poison center their location and their ability or willingness to receive evacuees as regular patients in their practices. And patients or evacuees who were potential patients were urged to call into the poison control number and be matched with an appropriate provider based on location and what their particular needs for primary care versus specialty care might be.
0: Disaster preparedness works better when public entities and private corporations work hand in hand. I want to thank our guest, Dr. J. Patrick O'Neill, Director of Preparedness for the State of Georgia Department of Public Health, for giving us some insights into these public-private partnerships. I'm attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, President Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that drives cures to patients through repurposing generic drugs for new uses, you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, a channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.